Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. I think we've become more alike over time, right? Well, here's, let's start with this. We're both from St. Louis, Missouri. We were born in the same hospital, okay? Our social security numbers are only three digits different. We both went to Stanford University. We both graduated and then went to grad school at NYU. And we started at the same agency. So we have like, we did our first job on camera together. So we have all these things where like, dang, like y'all must have been meant to be together. I was like, I, I suppose so. It didn't always feel like we were meant to be together, but we have a lot of things in common. I think we both have our own interpretation of a flair for the dramatic, because we're both actors. And then we're both spiritual people, right? But I would say that I'm probably way more neat freakish than Raya. She's much more relaxed with regards to that. She's very good at keeping a schedule, and I'm not so great at scheduling stuff. Like, I can think about half a day at a time. Somebody has to remind me in the middle of the day, what you doing later? Don't know. <laughs> so you gotta tell me. Um, but like, over time, I feel like we, become more alike. And I, I can't really, maybe you can articulate. I think, I think when we first met, <clears throat> we had a lot in common mm -hmm. for the average, you know, both from St. Louis, where I lived in St. Louis was right around the corner from where he lived in St. Louis. So we had a lot of, we were both raised in a similar, like religious tradition. And Jesus. I, <laughs> Jesus you. was our tradition. Jesus. Uh, but the, a, yes. a similar sort of, not just Jesus, but you know. Black Jesus. Black Jesus, yes, black Jesus. Um, and so, you know, we we, we had similar, we, we, we had a lot in common as compared to all the other people we were around. So it felt very much like, oh, hey, you know, my homie. Da, da, da. Right. Matter of fact, we, we were born at, at Barnes Hospital and I'm dating both of us, but at Stanford, back in the day, they used to have notepads, and you could just like write, it was like a little string attached to like a golf pencil and like a pad, and you would write a note, and he would write me notes. If he didn't want anybody to know it was him, he would write Barnes, and I would write Barnes back. To, you know what I mean? So we had our own, so we had oh a Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and and we, we never even agreed upon it. One day I got this note, and he was in the midst of doing some things, and anyway. What was I doing? I was playing? Yeah. That's right. And he wrote, That's he was right. like, I need, I need That's like right. a, a pack of duct tape, Barnes. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, you know. Oh and I knew it was God. him. And I was like, duct tape is under the bush, barn. Like, you know, wow. so we were like, and then that just became our little code thing. And, wow. But I think what was difficult about our marriage, at least when we first got married, was that we realized how 
different we actually were. So I feel like it was like, we, and then, you know, we used to, we both loved the X-Files and, and I wouldn't even say these things were surface, but I would just say that they were like, you know, those things you're like, oh my God, I love Cause you know, nobody loved the X-Files and we were both these like black nerds who nerded out over the same thing. Cause everybody Lois in San Lois and Clark. Good and time. I had a TV, he didn't. And so. I had a TV. We shared, so I had shared a TV with another guy in my draw group. And he I paid. They, they went to college draw group. The people that you know. No, that's like a Stanford thing. Uh, you like you a group go, of his friends, group and they of, all get yeah, together, yeah, yeah. and you all you all draw what number you're gonna get, and then that number bases like assigns you to housing. Right. And, and they got low numbers. We got low numbers, <laughs> but like we were also poor people, and so to sort of economize, we would split bills. So I would pay the cable. We would both play the cable and phone bill. But he kept the phone in his room, which was down the hall, and kept like the TV in my room. So sometimes I walk into my room, he'd be watching TV. But that was not 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 sophomore year. No, 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 not sophomore year. Anyway, we digress. But when, <clears throat> so when we got married, we kind of expected like this because um, we didn't really live together before we got married. I mean, briefly, but you know, he was still living in New York. So it wasn't until we got married that we were actually in the same place at the same time, living together. Right. And, you know, a lot of time had passed from the time we first met, you know, Winston Clark was no longer on TV, you know, to to the time we got married. And that was, I think, for me, and I think you two, one of the biggest shocks was just how different we were. And this is one of the interesting things about being married that I, I had to, it took me a long time to kind of figure out. It's not just your baggage, like, Oh, this man done me wrong, and I had a flashback. I mean, it's not even like, it, but it's literally stuff that's invisible baggage, like the way that we were raised. Like my grandmother would say things like, "If anybody ever puts a hairbrush on a kitchen table, that's just a nasty person, a nasty person who don't deserve to live. <laughs> Might as well take them." You know what I mean? Like, and your your grandparents, God or your parents rest tell us, "God rest her soul." They tell you these things because they want you to grow up in their mold, and you don't think it's their opinion it's their it's like yeah you put a hair so he put a hairbrush on the table and i was like you nasty and he was like whoa, whoa. and i was like this hair gonna get in this and you hear yourself Same. and you're like when did i become whoa. and you kind of hear this voice and you don't even think it become belongs to you but you're like why am i talking like this there is this, you know this thing that you have these unspoken or unconscious expectations of what marriage is supposed to be. And even and if you go to counseling to and everything like that, like you can deal with some of them, but like until you get into it and you realize like, oh, I thought, and you're like, oh, I thought, and then over time you come up what we think, you know what I'm saying? Like what we consider our marriage to be. So like that, and I think that's an unending process. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and and again, you know, and I don't know if anybody else had those, but there were just certain things. And I, I don't know if it's a cultural thing where black people, black families have a thing that's like, you just don't do that. Where there's the hairbrush on the thing or whatever it is. But we, you know, we all have that conversation. So we had to work that out. Hairbrushes on the table. He still does that. And I just, now I just move it and I realize it doesn't mean that he's dirty and nasty, right? So that was one. Um, oh, just like, remember we went to St. Louis and, oh God, people are gonna watch this. Well, whatever. Okay, we remember we went to St. Louis and your your one of your nieces had on like, so it was Thanksgiving, right? Now in my family, and again, so 
This was, and this was a main difference between Sterling and I. His grandfather was, it was a patriarchal family uh, for him. I was a matriarchal family and it was one person on both sides. Like it was my grandmother who raised, like, you know, and his grandfather. So it didn't occur to me. And in St. Louis and, you know, I think cities like St. Louis, like your family is your social network. So you're not really like going to other people's house. I mean, that was the other thing. You ain't going to people's house. I don't know what they put in their food. Like, you know how we are. You know, y'all know how we are, right? Like even some first cousins, you know, she nasty. But anyway, so one of the things was people, my grandmother would call them people, people dress for dinner, especially on Thanksgiving. Now, in retrospect, my grandmother probably did not have very many moments in her life where she could do that. But your grandmother was a domestic. My grandmother and was so a domestic. And so what she was trying to pass along was what she had learned from the world in which she inhabited. Right. She had an eighth grade education. Right. So for her, she was going to learn as much as she could from her employers, you know. My grandfather was not a domestic or anything. He was sort of uh, an entrepreneur of sorts for the time. He would have... Uh, he would fix cars, he would fix appliances. He had a money lending company, which is a little shady because like if he charged a, a pretty decent percentage on his interest and if he didn't get his money, you know. But, a lot like that. <laughs> but, but so what was passed along in my family was the importance of education, right? Like you can look a lot of different ways as long as you're taking care of stuff up here that's what was of the utmost import. And we were taught, get your education, but show people that you have an education, right? And it was, it, it doesn't seem More like- More like looking the part, right? It, no, and it doesn't seem like a big deal. But anyway, so the point is we're in St. Louis, it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, I don't know. And one of his uh, family members, a young girl in the family rolls up. I mean, and it was like, <laughs> my, my family has this, she looked like she tumbled out of the Goodwill bin. <laughs> That's like their favorite thing. Like I don't even know if there's a Goodwill bin anywhere, but apparently there's this Goodwill, there bin, Goodwill bin and she looked like she tumbled out of the Goodwill and she had on a sweatshirt and, and I was mortified, like mortified that like, I mean, it was just, she it was, it was like, this is my family. Like, what does this mean? Like, oh my, like, I literally, and I was like, do you not see Like if you, at least if you. And like, I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, she's got on flip flops and socks. I mean, I, I... She comfortable. I, again, and I was like, how do you not see, like, she's ruined, like, she's ruined Thanksgiving, right? And that was huge. It was huge. That was, was such huge. a big deal, because I was like, what is wrong with you? And I did the same thing. I was like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. So, so do you want our children, what if our children get invited to Thanksgiving and someplace, and they roll up looking like that, and they ain't got no home training? It like, still that was, happens. Like, if I dress Andrew, our oldest, for school, she will come behind me and change his outfit. And I'll say, and I'll say, rah, 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 mm. what's wrong with his clothes? He looked like a little boy. Let the little boy go to school. You don't even talk like that. <laughs> and she's like, I want him to be a fine, upstanding young man. And I don't and talk so like that. <laughs> she'll come up with like collars and stuff. If I just put him in a Pokemon teeth. It's Pokemon. What's wrong yes, with the Pokemon t-shirt? The Pokemon t-shirt is like eight sizes too big. He likes the looks Pokemon t-shirt. When she changes his clothes, I it bothers me, but as long as he's happy with the clothes, I'm good. Like honestly, like if he's if he's cool, he feels comfortable, he's not making a big deal out of it, 
Selavi. But he was like, Mom, I wanted to wear that shirt. I was like, can he, can he put the shirt back on? Like she kind of gets the end say on, on it all because she's ground zero. And, and why that is, is because my work, I'm in and out of town quite frequently. So it's gonna be sort of weird for me to come in and be like, well, I'm laying down the law. I say he went and then go away, bye y'all. Like that's not, that doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? So she gets the final say on that type of thing. And it, it's fairly harmonious. It's not that bad of a thing. But going back, like, I remember how, okay, I remember we've dated many times in the past, right? I can remember one time when she said to me, like, I knew we could make it back together because I would have, back in the day, I wore boxers, right? As, as a man of 41 years old, you start with briefs, you get to like middle school, you wear boxers. Now pretty much everyone is rocking boxer briefs. Like now if I see a dude in tidy whities I'm like, really, bro? Come on now. But. At one point in time, I had these boxes, and I would get bigger. My thighs would get bigger. And like, you know, black man thighs, they rub together. And so like, they'd get too tight. And what I would do is I would cut a slit in the side of my boxes. So I was basically rocking like loincloths. <laughs> like I got like five or six more years of play out of these boxes. Because as my wife told me, here's another thing that she told me that I didn't realize, I grew up poor. And it took Ryan telling me, she was like, you were poor. And I was like, was I? She's like, yes. You take like your tennis like the shoes. the worst, most bougie human being. You're pretty on bougie. The you're pretty bougie. You're pretty bougie. bougie. You're like, you're like, you were poor. And I was like, oh, snap. You might also be me <clears> off that day, but that's a whole. That's other all good. You had no problem calling me poor. But when she said like, I knew I could get back together with you because you had bought all new underwear, and I was like, oh really? It was a big deal. She's like, yes, it was. So it, it, like, I think I've moved towards Rye and she's moved towards me in terms of there's a certain level of presentation that I sort of consider to be, you know, de jour. And she sort of relaxed her expectations. So we just kind of like made our way to the middle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it was a really good opportunity for me to like, you know, you, you, you have to honor your family and honor who they are and honor, but you also can't believe everything that they say. They have to, you have to understand like they, my grandmother, all of our grandparents grew up before there was a Facebook. I mean, cable, do you know what I mean? My grandmother, they, so I think that they, they were so insulated that yes, if you put a brush on the table, it did make, but their towns were population 45. Do you know what I'm saying? And they didn't really, they didn't really move outside of certain social circles. And I think that for black, what, what I realize is that for black people, you know, we're just, how do I say this? It's, it, I had to learn that it was okay to let things go and I wasn't letting people go. I wasn't letting my grandmother go. I wasn't letting them go. Hmm. I was just letting outmoded ideas go, you know, so that I could brace, embrace different things and more things. And yeah, well, things you know. Things that were outmoded for us as Outmoded a for us you know as a couple. Yeah. yeah, and 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 just really, really getting to what it means to not make things mean things. It doesn't, somebody can put a brush on the table because they're in a rush and it doesn't make them nasty. You know what I mean? Like he can wear the long Pokemon shirt because he likes the shirt. You know, certain things, like, and yes, there are times when I'll be like, nah, it's too cold or he has paint, you know, uh, art, whatever it is. I don't think there was anything that I did. I think it was a, I, I had, I came to the conclusion one day, I'm clearly not going to change this man. 
it's clearly he's not going to be like, oh, everything I ever learned was wrong. Thank you, Ryan. Like, that's not going to happen. And nor should it. <laughs> if that did happen, something would be wrong with him and he wouldn't be the man that I married. So why don't I just start taking steps towards embracing my family and letting go of things that my family says and thinks it doesn't work. Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening to Black Love The Interviews and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winners' designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. It's interesting because neither one of us remember meeting, per se, but we lived in the same dorm freshman year at Stanford University, and we auditioned for our first play together. So a professor by the name of Harry Elam Jr. comes to the dorm looking for people to audition for Joe Turner's Come and Gone. And we had both acted in high school, but neither one, us, neither one of us were at Stanford to act. I was gonna be an economics major. Rai is actually a double major in English and African-American studies. But he came to our dorm, asked us to audition. I said, you know, I did a little acting in high school. I liked it, it was cool, right? Maybe I'll get a chance to do this. And in high school, for me, it was all like uh, Arthur Miller or Harold Pinter, like never had an opportunity to play a character that was written African-American. And so we auditioned for the play together. We both got cast in the play together. And so like my earliest memories of Ride were us like riding bikes to rehearsal together or taking the cart. The, the sure cart. The sure cart to, to rehearsal and everything. But I don't remember meeting. So you know when you're when you all live in the same dorm and you just kind of get herded and shuffled along? You know, so we just, you know, you get everybody has to meet here and then there's an announcement and everybody, you know, and so there was never, there was no like, oh, I was coming out of the dorm and he was coming into the dorm. We said hello. It was just, you know, within that first week, everybody's brand new best friends because they're all living together now and everybody's very excited. So it was that kind of a situation. That's why we don't actually have a memory of meeting each other. So then do you remember the first time it became more than playmates? <laughs> okay, so there's a that's complicated, but I'll start with this. Like Ryan and I started off as friends because as a freshman on campus, she got swooped up pretty quick. You by say that junior. every time. It's true. You were dating within like the first two weeks of school. It wasn't the first two You got weeks. swooped up real nope. quick. So we were just homies, right? But I remember she broke up with this dude because he was he was unfaithful. <laughs> oh, God, he, was, he was unfaithful. Really sweet guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he was. Remember, he, we were like, we were in the sure cart coming back. So sure stands for like safety. <laughs> Basically, it's like an anti-rape cart. Stanford University rape. Yeah, some escort. Rape escort. 
That doesn't. No, that's no, 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 quite no, no, right, no, 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 but that's not something it. along those Anyway, but the, but the boys, so you could call the short part, and it was really for the girls, but the guys would come anyway. It just became like a shuttle service around campus. It was a little golf cart. So we're in the golf cart, and we're behind, we drive behind the dorm. Yeah. And there he was. <laughs> Wasn't he like with I think you the made girl? us get out or stop and like we saw. Oh, I definitely like made us stop. Stalked him for a I second. Didn't I was stop like, him. it was like this is getting weird. Let's go. Let's go. Like if you're gonna break So up, we basically like, caught him red-handed in the act. We were in the short cart together. Coming back from, from play practice. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we we related initially as friends. We were just friends. And over time of getting to know her and spend time with her, like she's such a wonderful, vivacious warm person and the way in which she dealt with him cheating on her i found to be quite magnanimous because i was like ain't you gonna like go off on this sorry i'm not gonna try this but like aren't you you know she's like you know what he don't know no better so i'm just gonna let him go and let him do his thing and wish him well but me carrying that around inside of me does me no good and i was like you grown like that's that's <laughs> real okay and i just started to look at it and this way i was like yo this this chick is kind of fly, right? Like it, it just sort of dawned on me. And there's this one time in the dorm, like you were walking through with Crystal and you would put your hair in Afro puffs and like you looked just so cute. Like I remember thinking, like, like you were talking about brown, always being a fan of natural hair. Like you put your hair in these Afro puffs and I was like, wow. <laughs> like she's like a really cute, version of Lady of Rage, right? So, and I remember, like, I was talking to people, and I was like, yo, I think, do I like Rye? Like, is that <laughs> happening? And so the guy that she dated before I was friends with, and I said, hey, man, I don't know what your plans are if you're trying to do, but I, I think I like Ryan. I don't know if you've moved on or not, but I wanted to let you know just to be cool. He's like, yo, man, if you want to express, feel free. I, namaste. So the cool way that I went about doing this. You stole my bike. Yeah, yeah, I did stole her bike. Stole her bike. And I think basically, and you have to fill in the, the blanks here, but I came up to her and I was like, hey, Bri, uh, I love you. And she was like, okay. It was the weirdest thing. It was so creepy. And I was like, <laughs> really? I was like, yeah, yeah, I love you. And she was like, okay. And she walked away. Like she got up <laughs> and just bounced. Right? And like hindsight 2020. Hindsight 2020. That was the right move. It was weird. You don't it just roll creepy. up on people and tell them it that you creepy. love them out of the blue. I like I had no game. And I was just so as a friend. I had I, to and the way express. it was all like uh, it was the <clears throat> and he had stole and cause like the week before he was acting really creepy. Like he stole my bike. He would come in my room. He stole pictures off the wall, my pillow. Like it was like the weirdest. It's like the little kid in like preschool, like pulling somebody's hair or something. But it was I mean? like, like I was like, I'm so confused as to what's happening right now. And nobody would say anything. And I was like, is something like, is he losing his mind? Do we need Basically. to call like somebody? Like, this is weird behavior. Like, I was like, was. I need my bike. Like, I for so. real need my bike to get around. It was my bike. It's a big anyway, campus. it was a big campus. So, so the way that yeah. it all happened. No, I didn't walk away. You ran because you hid in Danny's room. I had to go find you. So what happened? Remember, you ran and hid in Danny Baldonado's room? Vaguely. Okay, the way I remember no, that it, may be I was like, 
okay. And he was like, I don't know. And he ran. Well, because you didn't say it. I was but like. I didn't. You had stuck. You No, stole. fair enough. Look, hindsight 2020, <laughs> it was a tough position. I get it. But like, it was also like, I was like, I felt like my heart was beating out of my chest. Cause I was like, this is the moment, right? Like this is the moment. And I've told Rye this in, in hindsight, like there's, there's one other person that I may have felt the same way about Rye. And I remember telling my friends, I said, there's, I got two shots here. There's two, I'm, I gotta leave with one of these two. Like, otherwise it's not gonna happen. So yeah, I probably ran away because I was just tweaked. I was just gone. So I had to go find <clears throat> him. I had to search the dorm. And then I finally found him in one of the RA's room. He was hiding in there. It was just, it, it did not go the way I think it was supposed to go in his brain. No, I did not appear. Um, it's gonna go different. And so then he decided, so then that next, so that was at the, sort of the end of freshman year. So by the time September rolls around for- But look, this is where it was left. She just wanted to be friends. She considered me to be like a brother to her. Cool. Now, for her, that's like, cool. For me, I was like, no. So he stopped speaking to me? No. I'm, he was I'm like, not, I won't be your friend. I'm not I just won't be, be your friend. friend. I'll show you, You're, we're not friends. Like, and he literally did not speak to me for all of sophomore year. Pretty much. Pretty much. Until she realized that like, she and she started dating somebody else too or whatnot. Like she had a complicated, she's real like, down low, like shady. She's shady. Um, so she would do a lot of shady things in well, between. Wait a minute. Between. What, what was shady? Jomo. First of all, no, you have to put him on blast. Sorry. Like, I didn't say his last name. There's other people in the world. There's there. one person There's named Jomo who went to Stanford University in the entire history of Stanford well, University. Well, it's like all things come to the light. You're shady. You're shady. I'm not shady. Not, and not to say that you were shady Girl, per se. No, wait, wait, wait. Mm, it's not no, the way in which you conducted your business. You were shady because you would hide people. You would literally hide people. Like I would come knock on the door to your dorm and you stick your head out like, hey, hey Sterling, what's up? And I'm like, uh, nothing was going to be like, mm, nothing. You need something? That's and I'm like, true. uh, no, I just, just come to say, I was like, okay, I'll catch you with you later. And like, he may, he, the, I, that never happened. So let me just, Oh, that never happened. Oh. That never happened. Because oh, you like make the oh, stuff up. Like I don't even know where you oh, get all this stuff from. Oh. Oh. You're tell crazy. the truth. Shame the devil. You're crazy. I'm lightning. Look, here's the deal. He's just mad because I look. Lightning. You know, you don't put your business in the street. Just because <laughs> I knew I conduct myself in a way that not everybody had to know my business. And not, it ain't nobody's business. It ain't nobody's business. That's all I have to say. And Sterling also forgets. I was also in, I, I am a proud member of a black Greek organization. <laughs> You're going to get killed for that one day. Shade. It won't be me, but Let somebody's going to Let him come for me. I'm a grown ass shoot man. shoot you with a bow and arrow. Sure. And so he doesn't it. understand that sometimes things were happening that really were nobody's business. <laughs> so he could have knocked on my door at a time when something was going down that really cool. was only for. Sure. You know what I mean? So, but he always but you weren't like in the business. You weren't like, look, hey man, I'm I'm busy right now. I got some shit to take care of. Sorry. Because I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a dude. I'm like, hey man, I, who does that? I'm gonna be like, hey, what's up? You good? Thanks, bye. You so anyway, so look, okay, we digress. But it wasn't. So she had some sorrows, as a matter of fact. Like, 
end of sophomore year or beginning of junior year. I don't know if you know this or not. Yeah, I don't remember when it was. But but you had some sores come up to me like, Stone, what do you think about Ryan? I was like, been there, done that. Don't, she's not interested. And like, well, what if she might be interested? Like making me think that they had had a conversation with you. They, ha they went to him which first. Which they hadn't, okay? <laughs> this is important information. I was like, oh, maybe she's changed her mind. I'm like, she's still shady. They know shady Jomo. Like, you Jomo's know what I'm saying? Like, like, like full time, full on shade. But like, I guess you'd have kept it from your soul roars too. Like you kept it, it wasn't just me. You kept it from Everybody. I didn't keep it from everybody. Shade. It okay. wasn't nobody. So anyway. They knew. So look, but the thing is, there was a connection. And I think they recognized it, and I knew it. And I think she knew it too. And maybe was sort of afraid of it and also thought I was crazy. Understandably so. I'm a little bit different. But so we were doing this acting class together that we auditioned for at the end of sophomore year. And it was sort of an exclusive class. It took 12 students. We both got into it. So we were working on a scene together from War of the Roses, and we had to transcribe the scene from the movie on the paper so that we could work on it. So she came to my dorm room. Now, she will dispute this fact that I'm about to say. She comes to my dorm room. I can't. <laughs> in booty shorts. And I'll say it right to the camera. She came to my dorm room, my room in booty shorts, okay? So I'm like, oh, this is a sign. Right? So we're transcribing. But if you haven't mean. noticed, my wife has a very nice posterior. Looks good in booty shorts. Okay. And in her booty shorts. So we're doing I a got scene. Them from Ann Taylor. <clears throat> Ann Taylor does not sell booty shorts. So, Thank you, girl. Anyway, Thank you. Thank anyway. You. Like maybe it was like Ann Taylor Rack or something because these are. There's no Ann Taylor Rack. I it's Ann Taylor Loft. It didn't even exist then. There's cheeks. There's cheeks. That's all I'm saying. I'm not talking about these right here. Oh, they're cute. Look, so we were working on the scene, right? And like, you know, we're trying to figure out what's going on. At one point in time, we're sitting on the bed and everything. We're looking at each other. She's looking at me. I leaned over and I kissed her. I went over like this. And she reacted pretty much like that, except then she goes, Oh, you kissed me. Let's talk about that. And you know I was what? Like, I must get up and leave. I just, this revisionist history. I was like, is... nope, you're here too. I said, she said, what happened? This is, I, tell, I, I tell can't me even interject because tell I mean, me. this is a fantasy. Tell play. me. Tell me. No, no, no. From your perspective, tell me what happened. I, I need you to finish because I, I don't remember half of this. You kissed me. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about it. And I was like, yeah, I kissed you because I like you. And you're like, okay. And I kissed you again. You're like, oh, goodness. So then it became this whole thing. And you can fill this part in because this is actually I hard for me. I probably can. I don't have any imagination. Ended, it ended like her crying and us hugging. It's like, I could right now, but I can't. And it's just not right. You don't remember this. You don't no. remember. Are you serious? No, I remember transcribing War of the Roses, but all of this I don't remember. So, so I'm just going to listen. Crying, going through this whole thing, and then leaving. And I was like, all right, that's, I mean, it was a weird sort of thing. Now, this is really how it all went down. Right, proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated that she is, Omicron Chi chapter at Stanford University and Santa Clara. She was the dean of her line. I lived in this dorm room uh, that had a sort of basement dorm room uh, in the dorm next door to hers. So to put her line in sort of like a private situation, she asked me to switch rooms with one of her pledges, with one of the pyramids who lived in Uj, which was the black dorm on campus. I was like, cool, I'll do that. So she had, how many girls were in my room? Nine. Had nine girls in my single. 
not a big room. Like, and I would have to go and like check messages sometimes. And they'd be like, hey, Sterling, I'm like, I'm trying not to step on chicks. Like, I went through and got stuff that I needed for my room. But I love the girls. I love them. And I love the girl whose room I switched with because she's from St. Louis too, my homie. I knew her before I knew Ryan. We did inroads together. So every once in a while, she had to pick up some sure or whatever, and I'd have to like get what have you. And so the one thing that I wanted through this whole thing was to make sure that I got to be at their probate show, right? I was like, I know, I don't need to know all the inner workings, all the stuff like that. I just want to see these ladies cross, right? She was like, cool, got you. Now, Obviously, it's more complicated from that, from her, from her side of the spectrum, but she's the dean. In my mind, I just need a heads up so I can be there. Probate show happens, and I was not there. I was not there. And I was like, <sighs> I was like, and I, I was, I was, Cody, done. I was like, I don't need to talk to you. I don't need to be homies. Like, I, I thought I did you a solid. I asked for one thing. I'm good. And she knew it. Like, she knew it. And she, we, she's like, can I talk to you? I was like, nah, I'm good. Like, it's all that. And she's like, it's not as easy as you think, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, don't you want? So we wound up going to like the quad, like the main quad of the campus. And she, we talked for hours. And she says this whole thing about how you know, when we leave this place, there are going to be people that you keep in contact with, and there are going to be some people that you just fall out, and you don't see them ever again. And the idea of you being one of those people breaks my heart, and I really don't want that to be the case. And I was like, uh, okay, you know? But, like, it hadn't changed, and so when she hugged me, I was like, all right, Ryan, we'll be friends. Like, all right, Ryan. She hugged me and she would not let go. Like for what seemed like a real, cause I kept being like, all right, got it. And she would just be like, no, no. Now did I tell her right or did I not tell her? Mostly, yeah. <laughs> All right. I had to beg for my life basically. The whole, I, I knew when it was going down, I, the, the whole probe, I, it was just, it was, you, I mean, it was just a lot. Anyway, but I knew that I, it was wrong and I knew he was like over me. So I had to lip sync for my life, as they say. Well, I always, I mean, he was always one of my dear, I mean, he, he was, he's sterling. He's amazing, you know? And I think, God, I don't, you know, it's one of those inexplicable moments in life where I was just like, I'm not gonna, I messed up. I knew I had messed up. Whether or not it was my fault or whatever happened, he had asked for one thing and I wasn't able to deliver. And I felt terrible about that. And I just thought about how generous he had been to give up his room. And I mean, just all that stuff. And I just, I was like, I can't, I can't lose this guy. And that's all, it was just that, it was as clear as that. You know, I don't think I thought much about it. I just, I just was like, I'm gonna just keep talking until I find the smallest crack in this armor because he was shut, he had shut me out. And I didn't You talk about a filibuster, Jack. It was, it's 
like she knows. And that's the one thing. He doesn't like it when people talk a lot. So I was like, I knew if I just keep talking, eventually he'll be like, anything to like keep Chinese me, Jake, shut up. Torture. <laughs> it was. But but we didn't even didn't start dating then. So the professor that had us do his play freshman year was doing a, a play off campus, a Pearl Cleage play called Blues for an Alabama Sky. And he had asked us if we would be interested in auditioning. So we both auditioned for the play and we were working on our scenes together. And I came to her room. Now you have to help fill this in because in my mind at this time, like I didn't know what was going on with Jomo. Poor Jomo. Uh, anything like that, but I was like going to work on the scene, right? So we worked on the scene, blah, blah, blah. She's getting tired. I said, let me get out of here, have a good night. She's like, wait, 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 don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. I was like, what do you, what do you want? She's like, just, just, just that, just that. I'm like, all right, well, you falling asleep and I'm clearly still working on these things, but just, just don't, don't. You're a really good storyteller, you know? I'm not even saying that this didn't happen, <laughs> but I'm just saying you're a very good storyteller. You're like telling this whole story. I actually don't even remember. Well, this is because so I, I'm getting ready to go at night. She would grab my hand. Like, I thought she was asleep. I'm about to walk out the door. She grabs my hand or whatnot. I walk back to the bed, and she's like, like, she's asleep and then I'm asleep. And I, I just go, like, I bent over and I kissed her. And she kissed me back. And that's, like, when it really sort of began, right? And we had 10 of the best days of my life that were just magic 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 and then she stopped talking to me i did I, gonna no i want listen i they got both of us in here so that you can share your part of the story too because you know more about it's i'm i'm i want you to inform them the crazy. reason they're gonna think and it we is are. and that's what i want them to hear people, yes it, there's like there's things that you share that people are going through but nobody please me, i will tell it please. and you're gonna think that we are the craziest that you you're pretty strange too so my mother and my grandmother God rest got together and I don't know all the ins and outs, but basically they called me or I must have told my mother about, I cannot remember how it happened. Basically the upshot was, so in my family, people feel like they have psychic, sight. the sight. Vision. And so the vision was, he is this horrible person. You need to be deathly afraid of him. He's evil, like, like they basically gave me the full court press. It, and I, I don't even want to say this, but ending with like, we know what's going to happen and what's going to happen. We had a vision and the vision is he's going to rape you and everyone's going to laugh at you and his friends are all going to be in on it. So I was terrified. And this was obviously, but you know, you're young and you're like, oh, they had a vision. They got the sight. Like, really? Like, and so it was terrifying because it, it was not, it, it, it came out of her. They came. Don't. No, but you understand when you're young, your parents, your grandparents, your aunties, these are people that you trust. Who else are you going to trust? I like the way Tommy looking at her like. <laughs> well, no, I mean, because again, but you know how as women, you look, you feel me, right? And also if anybody said that, you would definitely just be like, 
what, what, what? You know, even if it was just, oh, I had a dream. It was your good friend. You're going to, you're going to listen. And you're, I don't know that you're going to abruptly, end, who knows? But you're definitely going to be like, what? Well, I had 10 days of magic after Okay, but years and they're married now. We're going to get there. It was, oh, it, I, listen, <laughs> I see both sides of the situation, but <laughs> I, as a person, was I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do with that information. I was too young to be able to be like, y'all are tripping. Like, you know, which I probably should have done, but it also became like a self-fulfilling prophecy because the moment they said that, it like created, the, I mean, I would say for the first, that whole year, the biggest part was how much my family, my mother, my, aunt, my mother and my grandmother in particular hated him. And they just kept, it's gonna go bad. It's gonna, so it's it's almost like that that self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you can you can poison something and then be like, see, I told you it was poison. Yeah, because you poisoned it. Like it was that situation. And so that I think the first year of our relationship was very much about the struggle that I had because my I was I was getting such resistance and I didn't I I couldn't understand why, other than this vision and the sight which didn't line up with anything that I knew, not only about him, no. but his friends, one of whom is now, you know what I mean? They're all great guys. Like, none of them have ever done anything but be nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing like that. Like, I mean, she made it seem like they were this roving band of like, like clockwork orange type of, you know what I mean? And I was like, what are y'all, like, you've never even met. We don't have to, we know the Lord done told us. Here's the thing, so, this is from my perspective, which is interesting. So. She stopped talking to me. And I got called a couple times. She wouldn't return phone calls or anything like that. Until finally, like, we got face to face. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what happened? Like, I thought, thought this was right. And she tells me what her parents said or whatnot. And I was like, okay, but like, what about what's happening right now? Like, can we just focus on this right here? And and ultimately we did. But again, I would say my wife was and still is, but was much more so impressionable at age 20 than she is now. I won't say it out of respect for you. But, you know, your mom's influence, your grandma, these, these are the two most important women in her life. She will tell you, if her, gra her grandmother passed away before we got married, if her grandmother oh, was, still, was still alive, she probably would not have happened. Right, like that's the kind of influence that they had. And here's the second part of it. I, as a rule, have one gift that I will sort of like, not pat myself on the back, but I, I'm fully conscious of. I know how to get along with people. I'm a fairly amenable cat and I enjoy people. My mother-in-law. <laughs> She's one of those few people in life, and I cannot tell you why, I, except for this vision, this dream, and her desire to be right about me, which is tough. And it's one of like the tougher things that we deal with throughout our union together. Now, fast <clears throat> forward to now, right? So the good news is we're very much aligned in terms of how to deal with my mother. And I think that because I know you're going to ask, how did we move past it? Well, of course, there were all these ups and downs. We will not bore you with all the going details. She's going to ask more questions. So I will, I will say that that created the first and sort of deep fissure in terms of our relationship. And had that not happened, 
a lot of the things that ended up happening in our relationship probably wouldn't have happened because I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I can I just like I, I've never heard you just say that like that because I think that it's true. But thank you for saying that You're on welcome. camera. I appreciate You're welcome. it, especially in retrospect. And I think because I always had a wall somewhere, right? I was always. And because one foot in and one, one foot, foot out. One foot in and one foot out for a very long time, which obviously created, you know, it was just, a, it just it was not a healthy dynamic. And so I think the last time that we we split up was at grad, we were in grad school and it was our, First. like going into third year was the last time we, yeah, we, we were right. not together. We weren't really speaking by the time we graduated from grad school. You know, we were just, it was not. And we both lived in New York. We had similar friends. We very rarely ran into each other. And I think that that gave me a lot of time to process other things that I saw that like were visions <laughs> that didn't necessarily come true. You know what I mean? Like I started dating a, a, a particular individual that at first my mother just loved and that meant the world to me. And that didn't, that would, I mean, that, I mean, nice guy, but not, it was, of all the, it was, it, mm. and I was like, well, if you have vision, how come you didn't see that coming? And then I moved to LA and that turned out to be very troublesome. And then it was like, well, if you had vision, how come you didn't see, you know, it, things started to happen in my, in my adult, young adult life that made me realize that these visions and these sights and all this stuff may not be rooted in reality. And, you know, I started, I went to, I went to I a lot of therapy. I can't wait for Claire to see this. I oh my can't God. wait. Oh my God. She's going to go. Just anyway. keep talking. Keep talking. So I went to a lot of therapy and, you know, therapists were like, so do you believe in visions? And when somebody repeats <laughs> it back to you, you're like, actually, um, no, you know, I mean, but it takes, because you don't have those, your mirror is these, these women and the women in your family and you have to honor that. And, you know, you don't get to a place like Stanford University being a rebel. Do you know what I mean? You get there by following the rules and this is what they say. And, and then you, then because I became an actor, I think there were no rules. There were no rules in my professional life. So I had to really start dismantling everything because I was taught you go into an audition, you're prepared. They're going to pick you, obviously, because you have a degree in it. And it was like, that's not like so many things started to just be untrue that I had to find anchors in terms of what was true. So I did a lot of work in terms of, like I said, therapy and different self-help books and classes and things like that. That really had nothing to do with him. I didn't go because I was like, man, this vision is going to rape me. And, you know, you know, it wasn't that. So much is that it was really just beginning to question a lot of things in terms of my mother telling me to do things and me doing them and they not turning out. And I'll give you one really quick story. My mother came out to LA to help me move. I had a one like little tiny studio over in Koreatown. It was not that much to move. I didn't even want the furniture. It was Ikea furniture I put together myself and trust me, it was busted, right? It was busted when I put it together. Like, okay, so she was like, well, I was talking to this this girl, Janice, and Janice said that in LA, how people move is they get a U-Haul and then they go to Home Depot and they pick up Mexican that are standing outside and that's how you move. And I was like, mom, that's ridiculous. I was like, this is what my mom said. No, no, I just want you to be on camera by yourself <laughs> so you can tell the story so it has nothing to do with me. Go ahead. And I, <clears throat> I was like, I don't think that that's how, I was like, look, 
we don't have that much. It's you, me, my, our friend Michelle Hines at the don't time me, please. was gonna do it, was gonna help me move. So this is my, this is like my mom in a nutshell. I'm getting, we're moving. The, there's a knock on the door. My mom like has this look on her face. I open the door and three workers come in. Like literally, I just start grabbing <laughs> stuff. And she's like, surprise! Isn't this great? I paid for this. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. next thing I knew, everything is in this truck downstairs. We're unpacking. Long story short, all my jewelry was gone. Month, like I had cat, like, and, and it literally happened so fast. And so my mother, at, at the end of the night, we're all, I'm unpacking. I told her what happened. I was like, it's gone. We can't find it. And she was like, um, they must have taken it. Well, next time you'll know to hide your stuff, especially if people you don't know are in your home. Okay. I was like, I'll come back up. They were in my home because of you. And we weren't even. We were. Were we dating at the time? We were. But anyway, it was one of those, those it was moments like that from the time I graduated from <clears> grad school. <throat> like even going to grad school, you know, I don't know, I don't know why you want to go to grad school. Nobody goes to grad. Like it was just a lot of things that happened that I had to sort of undo our um or my idea that everything she said was right, everything she said was given to her by the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean? You know, that's that, because I remember at one point in time, Karen and I both, one of her sororities and best friends. A fan. Her sands. Remember Ryan saying at different times, and let me say that her mother is very bright, but she's like, my mother is the smartest woman that I know. She like, and she gave her this position of like what she says was sort of gospel. And that is since, you know, and she's a very bright woman. And like, Claire, when you see this, like, it's all Namaste, good. Namaste. It's all good. Say. Namaste and everything. But like you, you cause trouble. And, <laughs> and so anyway, so again, to answer your question, therapy, really trying, like really asking myself the tough questions. What is true? What is true for me? What will be true for me? I can write my own story. And, you know, I had to just also understand that, you know, Colorism was at play, I believe, a lot, especially when my grandmother was concerned. Because I'm black. Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening to Black Love The Interviews and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winner's designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. Okay, we dated senior year. We started dating at the end of junior year. Right. Right. Then you dated somebody in Chicago. And then we got back together. Okay, okay, fine. We don't have to go through all the little minutiae. She said broad strokes. Broad strokes. like number of years. Okay. Okay. So the first time we dated was about a year. Um, And then we broke up for briefly. So then, yeah, so two years. Because all of senior year and then the first year of grad school. Yeah. That was the first chunk. Right. And, 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 but, right? Right. So then 
and then there the was a time, there was a maybe getting back together in the middle of grad school second third year did not work itself out and then for like eight ten weeks something like that yeah so so two years a long break but see we, we're still in grad school together so we're still seeing each other every day but technically mm-hmm. we were broken up lots of back and forth but no official dating we graduate from grad school we're not even friends anymore and then we graduated in 2000 and we didn't get no, back we graduated in 2001 2001 excuse me graduated in 2001 and then didn't get back together until april 2004. 2004 and that was the that was two years and then we got married in May, in march yeah. of 2006. Six, right. Off and on from 97 mm-hmm. until... 2001. Right. Well, 2000. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 97 to 2000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have history. I was living in New York, so I was out in L.A. for pilot season. She had already moved to Los or either later on in April. Like, it was very quick. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. for two years, we would visit each other back and forth. And I remember one point in time, she said, look, are we building something or not? Like, because I feel like we're living two separate lives, even though we're supposed to be in this thing together. Wait, and just to mm. interrupt. So when we first <clears throat> got back together, we knew it couldn't be a casual dating sort of situation. I think we were like, let's see what happens if we're not in school. We don't have, you know... Parents, like, let's see what happens if we have, if we like each other, independent of our past, but informed by our past. And let's just see, because in this, at this point, we can just decide to be friends or not. But it was really like a, wasn't a test run, but do you know what I mean? It was like, look, let's just do this so we can see whatever, if there's anything still here that we can build on. But no, I wouldn't say it was a casual dating, but it definitely wasn't like we're getting married. Right. Yeah, because ultimately what wound up happening is I moved to L.A. And I always thought I was going to move to L.A. because a job brought me there. Ultimately, it was it was to be with Ryan. You know, I said I felt like I could work from either coast. So I'll make the move. And I moved. We moved in together. Mm-hmm. Had Claire left or was she still there? Cause yeah, you know, no, she had left. She and her mom were living together in L.A. for a while. Um, and then so I w- came in, moved in December, moved in December of 2005, proposed December 24th, 2005. Mm-hmm. Got on a plane to St. Louis Christmas Day because mm-hmm. we was po. Very po. Um, and told everybody, etc. And then we eloped March 18th, 2006. Mm-hmm. And then we had a bigger ceremony June 9th, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. So we like... And part of the elopement was my my, <clears throat> my, my mother was not a happy woman. She was not a happy woman. About what? About us dating again. Mm. She asked me, like, if I asked you to stop dating him, would you? Like, she was just not... So... And we, had, we, we, were, we were in couples therapy at the time, and the therapist was like, why are y'all waiting to get married? And that's when we were like, she was like, the longer you wait, the more that's a more will allow people to. That's a more important. I mean, I can comment on this if you want me to. What? But the reason. That's not the reason. I want to say, say it. But that's not the reason. It. The reason. Let me say it. But that's. Just let me say it. Uh, okay. Okay. Just let me say it. So 
was trying very hard to keep it holy. And so I said, you know what? We haven't kept it holy throughout our whole courtship or whatnot. Hoping like maybe just during this engagement period, we could just keep it holy. But we laying up in bed, folks rubbing up against each other. And I, you, you, I, you, this whole thing I, is so you can say rubbing up I, against I, each other. That's the I, only reason he did. I, I have a great deal of like, sort of like, I can, once I commit myself to it or whatnot, but I'm a lot, I'm a lot, Cody. And Ryan's like, look, man, I can't have you laying up in my bed like this, brother. This is all me. a ruse so that expect, you can do this to embarrass me. me. Oh my me God. To, I don't know why. Don't fall. All this, all this. So I was like, look, I'm driving it crazy. I, I ain't trying to. I want to keep it holy. Oh, I remember we wanted to go to um, couples counseling at... At a at Kojic church in LA. And they wouldn't let us because, because we were cohabiting. cohabitated. And we were like, yeah, but where's the dude supposed to live? New York. And they were like, we don't care. No, 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 no. But here's the thing. They told us. This, and this that, is, oh, that's what they told this us. This is the situation. The lady said, like, if we came back and told them that we had separate addresses, then maybe I could let you in the class. And I was like, I ain't going to start off lying to God. I said, thank you. I appreciate you trying to help a brother out. But like, so we saw. And that's out, when we found Kakanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A non-denominational advisor. And she's like, look, if you guys are happy and you want to be together, it seems like you're driving each other crazy a little bit, so why don't you just get married? I was like, I get married. And Ryan, I think, Ryan was like, ah, uh, yeah, I get married. And we got married, right? And I was happiest day of my life. Happiest day of my life. I am now sharing my life with the woman of my dreams. Couldn't be happier. It wasn't storybook it wasn't the whole fanfare and everything like that but it was but but the what but we are united we are together right so with at a friend's house that they threw it for us we went to montecito santa barbara and and hung out for the weekend and then i had to go back to audition or something i had a test for numbers i was testing for numbers wasn't no, it no 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 was no, it no, something no. else nope, nope, nope i can't remember but it was quick but it was it was really really lovely but this is i feel like it gets interesting because i don't know how comfortable rye was i don't think she got a chance to have the wedding that she wanted and i think she needed to have the wedding that she wanted in order to feel married to have her whole community there so we didn't tell a lot of people in between March 18th, 2006 and June 9th, 2007. Like there was an inner circle of friends. And if I started telling too many people, she'd be like, stop telling everybody. And I'd be like, I just want to shout it out. I'm married to Ryan Michelle. And she'd just be like, yeah, great, but you've ruined like the thing. And so it was a very interesting 15 months um, and in retrospect, we probably should just have the one wedding and be like, oh, well, y'all missed it. You know, I'm trying to remember. It was a lot going on. I don't think it was, I don't necessarily know if that's accurate so much as that it was, I think we were trying to have our cake and eat it too. And in looking back, we should have just had the one and been like, been a little bit more brazen about it. And just been like, look, like y'all were tripping, you know, we didn't want to deal with all your trippy trippiness. And I think I was still, because, you know, everything is a process. It wasn't just like, I was like, oh, you know, done with, done with that old thinking and, you know, on to the next. It was a process. And I think I still felt like, well, if I have this wedding, then maybe my mom and my family will come around. If I have this wedding, then, it, you know what I mean? I kind of felt like hmm. that wedding would be 
there's still something in your mind that makes you think there is gonna be that thing where they're going to give their blessing. There is gonna be that moment. And I felt like if we did tell them, then it would cause more of a ruckus than, and in, in retrospect, I think I should have just not cared as much. But so I don't think I felt, I wasn't ambivalent about the marriage. I think I was ambivalent about trying to find a way to have what, I, to make everybody happy, which you can't, you can't make everybody This is happy. the interesting thing about it. Like now Rye, the second ceremony was kind of amazing. Again, like a top moment in my life, like a great day. But I don't think she even got to enjoy it. And I that makes me sad because I think my family was like, this is amazing. Our friends were like, yo, you made us come all the way out to Durham, North Carolina in the middle of whatever, but yo, you guys threw a party for the ages. But after the wedding, she had this whole gorgeous table outside. It was like her ode to the first Thanksgiving where everybody was gonna sit at this table. It was gorgeous. So we danced our first dance. We sat down at the table to begin being served and God shed a tear too all over her gorgeous table. And everybody had to like run inside and like the caterers are grabbing food off the table and just passing food out like catch as catch can. But it was, nobody would have been able to talk to each other at the table. Be like, hey, what's going on with you down there, man? Like, I can't hear you, bro. This table is hella long. But because it went the way that it did, it became like this dope house party. And it people still party. like talk about it. But I, I feel sad in that, like the person who put it all together, her experience is very, very different than, than a lot of the people that I talked to who got a chance to, to be there. I've seen the growth over time. So I'm taking Ryan at age 20 and then Ryan at age 30 and 35. And I recognize that like, it's a process because here's the thing, like this is the backstory. Ryan's mother's an actor. Ryan's mother left her with her grandmother at age two to pursue her career in New York City, right? Ryan didn't live with her mother full-time until she was eight years old. So for six years, it would be seeing mommy from here and there, et cetera, et cetera. So that desire to be close is real. And I understand that. And I think you have to have some level of empathy for that and recognizing that this, this relationship has had, has been fracturous for a long time but the desire to be connected is authentic, right? So you can't stand between somebody and their mama as they're trying to figure it out, but you just have to like insert yourself and be like, hey, but you know, she may not be right, right here, you know? And you state your opinion and then you keep moving. You keep moving because what you decide, and you guys know this as well as we do, you make up for yourself what is and what is not a deal breaker. Like you, we get to determine for ourselves what we can and cannot live with, right? And I would tell Rai all the time, I stand by, I won't say it for the, because I say it would take you doing something disgusting in the middle of the night, like, you know, to my body, where I was like, why'd you do that? I wasn't doing nothing. Like it would take something really awful for me to say like, I'm done. Because when I was dating, that's the thing crazy young girl do something. I'm like, I don't have to put up with this type of stuff. Now that you're my wife and I recognize it took me a long time to learn that like what I thought was crazy may not be crazy. Sometimes you may have a part in sort of, you know, you know, provoking some things. So we have to figure out how to breathe in the moment and say, how do we move forward? 
because we are moving forward. Like, that's it. And it has highs and lows, peaks and valleys, et cetera. But, like, what do we need to do? Now, especially, too, because there's a chance that we could have done it before we had children. We had some, something happen. Like, I don't know if we can deal with this, blah, blah, blah. But we made a way through. And, and sometimes you can't see how you're going to make it through. But if you just take it one day at a time, there's a way. There's, there is a way if you are committed to finding that way. And I think for both of us, when our first kid was born, he, I would go in and out of town for work sometimes, and he'd say things like, the whole family's here. And then we go walking down the street or at the park or whatnot, and he loves to hold one hand. You could be there real soon. He'll hold one hand on one parent, one hand on the other, and swing. And you see the joy of like the whole unit being together. I was like, God, please don't let me ever do anything to take the joy away from this child because his joy gives me life, right? It's other stuff kind of becomes small and fades to the background if you keep your mind on the prize. That's that's how I feel about it. And, and we drive each other. Here. And she doesn't live here. <laughs> if she lived in LA, he probably would have bounced. And like I said, when my if my grandmother had been alive, I wouldn't have put him through that. Because she was just, you know, she was a wonderful woman, but it, it would have been too much just hate directed at him for no reason. And so he says if she was alive, but, but it wouldn't be because I wouldn't have wanted to marry him. I would have wanted him to find somebody who, who he deserved, you know? Because yeah, I'm amazing, but he can find somebody who's also, maybe not as amazing, but their family would love him, which is what he deserves, you know, because he's great. No, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Because I think that there, it may have been the most significant challenges we were, but, but. It's the most enduring challenge. It's the most enduring challenge, yes. But I don't think it's been the most significant challenge. I think we've had the challenge of as being, being married and, you know, working, not working. Our careers are, and just the, what we do for a living, the profession, I think is, creates a lot of challenges in terms of distance, in terms of living here and there and. And how do you start a family? When do you start a family? Where do you start the family? And and then just the the ins and outs of what it is to be an actor, and how that's such a roller coaster. And the roller coaster of being an actor um, is is not always. I mean, there are times when it's wonderful to have a partner who's an actor, and then there are times when it's not wonderful at all to have a partner who's an actor. Talk about that. Well, like for instance, and I have to separate things like. Pre and pre and post OJ, right? Like so, pre OJ, pre OJ. I think one of the problems was because as Sterling said, I play things close to the vest, right? And Sterling is very sort of effusive, and in terms of you know sharing successes and failures was a really tough thing for me. Like I, if I had to test for a pilot, I wouldn't necessarily want to tell him. I would just be like, guess what? I booked a pilot and he was like, what? Or guess what? I tell, you know what I mean? And that would be, I guess he was doing the shade. Um, but that was because again, you're having to learn how do you, because because what we do for a living is not just, it's not, you guys know, you don't go punching a clock. It's like your brain and your heart, your soul is involved in what you do. And because it's a creative expression, it's literally like you're giving birth to something. And it's not, there's, there's not a separation in that way. So how do you have this career that's 
and this profession and this calling, this artistic endeavor that's not separate from you, and then put that in the space of being married and you wanting to protect this thing that you've nurtured well before I even married him, I had a career. And how do you nurture that? And how does he nurture his? And then, you know, with, especially because we, we, you know, we have roles, women, men, wife, husband, it's very easy, I think, to pull toward the male energy and the, what he's got going on and what the husband has going on, especially because Again, and that's one of the reasons why I now play things close to the vest because I feel like I try to protect my career so that it stays intact. But it's not, I don't necessarily know if that's always the best way of going about it. But that's been a really tough challenge for me that I haven't totally figured out is how do I nurture both things and not keep them, um, you know, separate from one another. How's that versus like post OJ? Like you said pre post, like you're saying now. What is the OJ? Like, how does that change? Well, because change? you don't audition anymore, right? It's not like there was a time when it was like we were both in the trenches together and it was like, well, I'm auditioning and, you know, things, and he would get something, but I wouldn't want him to know that I was auditioning either for the same thing or something else too, because, you know, I, I didn't want to feel bad if I didn't get it and he got it or, he, you know, I didn't, you know, but now that you're not auditioning anymore, it's a little bit, well, how has it changed? <laughs> I'm like, you're just not auditioning. So now you're now you're really not in the trenches with me. You're like on another. Does it make you feel sometimes as if you don't have a partner? Yeah. Because even even in those times, you know, pre-OJ, it felt like we were still because, you know, the business we were in the same boat. Literally in the same boat. We might be at different points in the boat, but we were still in the same boat. And it's almost like you remember that image in um, The Matrix where the, the what was Morpheus's ship's name? The, the, whatever, the Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar comes and they find Neo and he's like, oh, oh, oh and the things are popping. And he's like, where am I? And then all of a sudden the light and it picked, you know, the thing and he's oh. like, that's what I feel like, but I'm in the pod and I'm like, I wanna get out too, Morpheus, Morpheus. No, okay, I guess I'm just in the matrix still. You know what I mean? And it feels like he's been taken out of like <laughs> the muck and the mire and he's he on the Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So yes, that's so no, it does not feel like we're in the same boat at all. Yeah. I'm still in the pod. That's a huge shift. That's a huge shift because and there'll be times we'll talk about it. I was like, look, she can get angry sometimes at the business and sort of like the way that it makes her feel. But it all oftentimes makes it feel as if she's angry with me because she associates me with the business. There have been conversations in the past where she says, maybe I'll just take the kids to Minnesota. They got a really good public school district there. It's a nice cheap cost of living. And I was like, well, what about me? And she's like, well, you get to visit <laughs> and we'll come see you, but I can't be around this anymore. And I was like, well, I, and then she's like, I can't be around you or your friends because they're working actors. And I don't feel like talking to working actors right now. And I was like, well, how, how am I, what you want me to do? Like, it, it's a real sort of interesting catch 22. And I, I make light, but I, I do understand. I don't have the fullest 
understanding because I haven't walked in your shoes exactly. But if I use like my imagination, like I get it. Um, and it does, like I, I say like, look, we're still together. Like before anything was, was Ryan and Sterling. Like this will, the, the moment that's happening right now is a wonderful and lovely moment, but like it will crest and it will go back down again. And so you have to remember to what's if say, if you can keep your highs and lows or whatever it is, like, but like not treat triumph and disaster, treat those two imposters just the same. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you don't know who you are for you, you're just like riding the wave. Like, I don't want to ride the wave. Right? Like I picked my partner to do this with, we gonna do it. So I, I try to tell her that like, I'm, I'm here, you need me, I got you. Like whatever it is that you need from me, like, but like I am your partner regardless of anything. Easy for me to say, not always easy for her to feel, you know? Yeah. Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening to Black Love The Interviews and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winners' designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. There's no... Um that's one of the reasons why you guys are doing this, right? That there's no book. They don't, it, there's no encyclopedia, Wikipedia, like how do you survive? You know what I mean? They, there's just nothing. And we're, we live in a town where it's very difficult to share things and open up, you know, because you have to put on a face that like, oh my God, um, everything's amazing. Like it could not be more amazing. Like, you know what I mean? Because nobody wants to hang out with the loser that, you know what I mean? So you don't always, you're not always authentic in your relationships with people that, and so you can't always build those mentorships like, OK, you guys went through this. Help us because it's hard to be vulnerable, you know, in front of people that even people that, you know, sometimes and the people that we know very well that we do feel we can be vulnerable, vulnerable with. They're like, yeah, I don't know, man, like this is this is crazy. Can we see the Emmy? You know, And you're like, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you know, so that's that's also been the, a, a challenge is because we don't have, there is no rule book, no encyclopedia, and then also there's no community for us to go to to ask for help, you know, to navigate this. I, I tell you what I feel the most amount of fulfillment in, in the marriage is when I know that our communication is such that I don't even have to hesitate to say what I'm thinking. And that usually means because what I'm thinking is lovely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if there's ever time when you're like, ah, should I say this? That usually means you probably should, right? Because as in most 
things in life better out than in is something that I, I do agree with. The times in which we withhold information for an extended period of time and people stop talking, like that's when like the cells, the malignant cells can sort of begin to form. You gotta be talking. Um, and sometimes I'm better than that than others. Like sometimes it's just like, if I say anything, like I'm, I'm afraid I might say the wrong thing and I'm sure she's felt exactly the same way too. But on another level, like the fact that we're, we're here, I don't know, it's, it's, I feel like people can be so willy-nilly with regards to the union. Sickness and health, better for worse, till death do you part. Like, that's, that's legit. Like, <laughs> and you don't know, you're like, you pay lip service to it when you say it those days kind of to a certain extent because you don't know. You can't know until you, like, go through. But like, yeah, I might get a little sick or whatnot, but, like, not that sick. And we might get a little pole, but it ain't going to be that pole. <laughs> it may get bad, it ain't going to get that bad. And then it gets bad, and you're like, Oh, we're poor. <laughs> but, but, but it's now, been, but, but there have been moments, right, where you have to breathe. You have to have a belief system outside of yourself. Like, I honestly, like, God means so much to me in the way in which I try to conduct my life and try to be a father and a husband and whatnot. It's real easy to fall short of the mark, and we do it every day, every day. And you just try to remind yourself of the path that you desire to be on. But, but success is being allowing yourself to be in the presence of your partner regardless of how you're feeling like that's true success because yeah. sometimes i just want to get the fuck out want to bounce that's not successful not leave but i was like i can't be around you right now and i'm sure she's felt the exact same way that's when we are unsuccessful but if you're able to have that feeling and still stay in the presence that means like whatever it is, is not keeping you from being together. That, I would say that that's pretty good. And to piggyback on that, yeah. <clears throat> a successful, you're going to have those moments, but I feel like the when our marriage is successful is when we shorten those times. Like when the cycle, the going through the cycle of like, whatever, when that cycle happens, cause right. cycle is always gonna happen, but when it happens shorter, quicker, and we give space for that. You know, it's when we believe that the cycle is real, that we're unsuccessful. When we are able to step back and be like, I did this, it pissed him off. Maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. You know, but I'm gonna give this some space, let it breathe. It's been a day, all right, let's talk. As opposed to when our marriage has been less successful or unsuccessful, when we believe that that is who we really are. Whatever that issue is, whatever that problem is, and then mm. that cycle, takes days and then weeks and then months and then that's all you see and i think so when our when we're the most successful is when we realize you know when we have those arguments and they're really real and they're really profound but then two weeks later we can't remember what we were arguing about you're never not gonna have those arguments you're that's never good. not gonna have those moments where you're like you know what um, I'm moving to minnesota and you could do what you want to do like you're gonna have those moments and i i think i deal with those pretty well 
Like at this you point. deal with the Minnesota moments, yes, but there are other yeah. moments when you're like, I feel like you hate me. That's true. <laughs> Those you don't deal with as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so we had a moment. This is this is good. I was on the phone talking to my friend. I was on FaceTime talking to my friend Brian Henry, who plays Paperboy. I had just come back. I had a, a little bit of time off of work in Vancouver where I was shooting Predator. I was talking to Brian on the phone. Brian is godfather to our oldest son, along with Terrell Alvin McCraney, who won the Oscar for Moonlight. So I was talking to Brian, catching up with him and anything. It was just, you know, philosophizing. I hear this banging in the kitchen. Boom, 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 boom. I was like, what? This happened. What was that? And I, he's like, everything good, bro? You need to go? I was like, no, I think it's cool. It stopped or whatever. Kept talking. Like, he's got a lot of stuff going on with him. I got a lot of stuff going on with me. Boom, 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 boom. I was like, bro, I think I got to go. Let me get back to you, man. He's like, all right. So I walk into the living room, kitchen, dining room area. And I say, what was that noise, you guys? And Ryan's like, what noise? I know what you're talking about. <laughs> And so Andrew is sitting, eating dinner at the table. I said, big boy, do you know what happened? He goes, okay. So I didn't do it, but mommy grabbed a pan and I don't know why she did it. I don't know, but she started hitting it up against the door to the kitchen, right? I, I don't know why, but that's what happened. I said, okay, big boy, thanks. Thanks for telling me. Mommy, is something, something wrong, whatever? And Rai said, I just feel like when you're home, because you're busy with work right now, that you should be present and eating dinner with the family. I said, okay, bird. You know, next time, all you have to do is pop your head back. <laughs> Let me know it's time for dinner, and I'll come out. He said, okay. But that wasn't really what it was. And she was going to hold to that story because it sounded like the right story until it took about two, three days of me just being like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold the space. I'm gonna stay here. I'm not gonna act like nothing hasn't transpired because she's she can be apt to be like, okay, so we move past that and everything. I was like, no, you need to tell me what's going on. And it wasn't until she was able to articulate, it's hard for me to hear you talking about all the things going on in your world with your friends or whatnot because I feel as if things have sort of passed me by. And I said, that's real, and I appreciate that, and I will try to be respectful of that. If you help me out, I appreciate it. So there are times in which I really have to negotiate, you know, things that are going on professionally that are that are good, but like how best to share with my wife, because I want her to be able to enjoy the success as ours. Like you referenced the Obamas getting into office, like they feel like that to me, like ours, but it doesn't always feel like that to her. And here's the thing, like sometimes I'll say, Bird, do, you, do I need to keep this to myself or whatnot? She'll always say, no, I want to hear it because it's the right thing to say. But I also will say that it wasn't, it really was feeling like there is a circle of friends where all of these wonderful things are happening to this particular circle and I'm not in the circle and you are. 
I right? Understand. So it's not just the things <clears throat> that are happening to you. It feels like it's happening to you and this collective, right? Like yeah. it's you and, you know, Susan and all of these people from NYU and Gail and, you know, and I was in that too. And sometimes it feels like I had a baby and got booted out of the group. Do you know what I mean? And that's when it becomes, I think, not to speak for you, Go for but it. sort of answering your question, I feel like that's when he feels like my anger or my frustration is directed at him because it feels like we had a baby and I got kicked out of this group and y'all are winning Oscars. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, that's, that's what the calculus feels like, the formula, you know, we, you, y'all, not Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Is, is, is part of that circle as well. And sometimes when they when I do hear him talking to whomever about all of the stuff that they're doing, I can't always chime in because I don't have, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I didn't have lunch with Jodie Foster, you know? I didn't, you know? I had lunch with my nanny and that was very nice. Yo, but we got a nanny, so that's, yeah. that's big for St. Louis, let me tell you. That is. <laughs> Sounded very bougie. Then <laughs> my nanny have lunch in my china. Bougier than lunch with Jodie Foster. Totally bougie. As much bougier than lunch with Jodie <laughs> Not to put Jodie Foster on blast. I mean, I'm not even gonna like no, for real me. Talk. I have to every day. I have to meditate, and I'm not meditating on like being a nice person, being a nice person. I mean, I used to, and I was like, "That's not working." All I want to do is be like, "Why am I not a nice person?" Like, you know. But I just have to, and you know, we go to Agape, and they talk about this all the time. I have to, and you know who you know who told us this, Dion. Remember Dion? So I I I, I misspoke a little bit. I do. There is one woman in my life who is married, she's married to Keith David, more of a mentor of sorts than I guess anybody else. And she told me, she was like, we were having some problems and things and I was gonna, you know, she's like, I wanted to stab him. And she said, I started meditating. And the act of a spiritual practice for me only strengthened our relationship. And I have found that to be true, is when I drop my anchor and I anchor myself in those 10 minutes in the morning, some kind of spiritual practice, it makes me, I don't, I don't, I don't have the same, I just don't have that same angst. You know, I might have the disappointment, but I don't have the same, it doesn't, it doesn't evolve into anger that then he feels is anger toward him. It keeps it at a simmer as opposed to a boil, if that makes any sense. I would agree. I agree. I, I mean, the days in which you meditate are, are lovely. Uh, in comparison <laughs> to the Boy, please. You don't even know which days I'm meditating. You I better go head on somewhere. Like, I'll come home. You can like, feel it. Now I you know, sound like Claire. No, 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 I'll come home. I'll come home. I was like, where's mommy? She's in the backyard. I'm like, leave mommy alone. I'm like, that's, that's mommy's time. Give it to her. <laughs> <laughs>